0: Welcome to the Medical Affairs Professional Society, MSL Field Medical Focus Area Working Groups podcast series entitled Field Medical Stakeholders, partnering for today and tomorrow. In this second podcast, we will discuss global product strategy. I'm Katherine Gann. I'm a member of the MSL Field Medical Focus Area Working Group, and I'll be the moderator for this podcast. Currently, I'm an independent consultant in medical affairs having spent my 30-year career as an MSL, an MSL manager, and an MSL trainer. Our legal disclaimer is, the views expressed in this recording are those of the individuals and do not necessarily reflect on the opinions of MAPS or the companies with which they are affiliated. This presentation is for informational purposes only and is not intended as legal or regulatory advice. We encourage you to engage in conversations about partnering with field medical stakeholders with other MAPS members via the community portal on the MAPS website. Simply log in with the email address and password associated with your MAPS account and click on the discussion tab. Then scroll down to field medical to post a question or review previous postings. The objectives for this series of podcasts are that at the end of the series, participant will be able to one, discuss the functions and activities of key internal stakeholders. And two, identify potential areas for compliant collaboration by MSLs with key internal stakeholders. I'd like to thank today's panelists for sharing their subject matter expertise with the MAPS membership. Speaking today are Lori Mauser, Global Head, Medical Customer Engagement at Roche, and Dominique Cagle, Integrated Insights Leader, Global Product Strategy, Heme Ankh at Genentech. Lori will be our interviewer today. Lori, could you please briefly provide some information about your current position? Yes,
1: Catherine. Thank you so much, and thanks to MAPS for this opportunity. I think this will really be a great discussion. So, yeah, I work at Roche. I'm the uh, Global Head for Medical Customer Engagement, and what that means is I'm responsible for our global medical information group, as well as all things related to uh, field medical and the various field medical roles that we have at Roche. I've been in the pharmaceutical industry now for over 20 years, and I've really primarily worked in the field medical space. So really happy to be having the opportunity to share with you some of our thoughts today and uh, introduce Dominique Cagle, who actually also works uh, within the Roche family at uh, Genentech, which is uh, the U.S. Roche group. And um, Dominique is the integrated insights leader in our global product strategy team in hematology and oncology. So, Dominique, welcome.
2: Thank you so much, Lori and Kathy. It's, uh, It's a great pleasure to be here. Thank you.
1: Can you just give us a little bit more background on what what is an integrated insights leader in global product strategy?
2: Global product strategy as you mentioned before is a is a group within Roche Genentech and I guess I'll just clarify very quickly that Genentech is owned by Roche it's the US affiliate for Roche. With that being said, I actually do work for Genentech, but am doing global product strategy. So I know there's a little bit of a confusion there. I do work with many of my Roche colleagues in setting the commercialization strategy for many of our products that have indications or are being currently developed in hematology oncology and specifically for for malignant heme.
1: Well, I'm going to ask you a few more questions and dig into some detail because it's really interesting that you are working in a global role like this. And you mentioned a little bit about Roche and Genentech. And could you maybe talk a little bit more about what is it that global product strategy does? What's the deliverable? What's the main thing that you do all day?
2: Yes. So as an integrated insights leader, my main role is to serve as a strategic thought partner within the strategy group for both molecule teams that have indications in hemong, as well as the overall heme disease area strategy team. What that really means is that I am looked to as the expert on the market dynamics, the coming from a patient perspective, as well as a physician's perspective and so what that means is that I have to keep on top of trends that are ongoing, that includes clinical trials that are uh, both company sponsored and investigator initiated. So that's where medical affairs definitely comes into play, which I'm sure we'll talk about later down the road, but um, being, being aware of, of what's going on in the market by, keeping up to date on on what's going on there through market research, secondary as well as primary, and then feeding that information not only into our our strategy but also into valuation and forecasting for our molecules.
1: Do you look at it more on a disease state level or by the molecule, or how do you begin to tackle such a a dynamic and ever-changing area?
2: Yes, you're absolutely right. It's forever changing, uh, even, even within, you know, weeks at, at a time, of the, you, you, there'll be significant changes. And that's actually part of the fun, <laughs> at least for me. But the answer to your question, is it, is it strategy more for a disease area or for a molecule? And the answer is both. So I, I sit on both molecule teams as well as the disease area strategy team for, for uh, many indications within hematology oncology. How I kind of stay on top of that, is, is, as I mentioned before, it's, it's, uh, it's not only through primary and secondary market research, but also really leveraging the expertise and the individuals who are close to our, our external stakeholders, like patient advocacy groups, as well as physicians and KOLs, so i.e. our medical affairs colleagues.
1: You know, you started to talk about the team and some of the people you work with. Who are your main
2: internal customers
1: in this role?
2: I work on cross-functional teams and that's one of the beauties of my role is that I get to work with just so many smart people and experts in their own different areas. And that part is just, it's, it's what makes my job, part of what makes my job so much fun but my internal stakeholders are typically those individuals who own the life cycle of certain molecules and those individuals who are in some way related to that. So um, without going into too many details about their specific roles, but yeah, individuals who who have significant ownership in the life cycle of molecules, as well as the disease area strategy so those are those are my primary stakeholders but i work as i mentioned on on cross functional teams so that includes folks from pricing and access regulatory medical affairs commercial obviously clinical development and r&d so yeah this it's truly collaborative because as you can imagine you already know that it's there are many multiple facets of drug development that not no one person can have a hundred percent expertise in and so that's why we work in cross-functional teams
1: it's really the most fun aspect but to understand the different kinds of people that you get to work with and how everyone brings their expertise to the table that's great now you were saying that you work in global product strategy how, did, how does your work compare with like the U.S. Uh, product strategy group? Uh, what are the differences
2: and, and how do the two groups work together? So I work very closely with my U.S. affiliate colleague who does has a very similar role as mine. However, the key difference is that I mentioned mine is global, so I have to integrate the insights from basically all markets and get a feeling of, you know, what's, what's going on in each market and how it affects the long-term strategy for a particular molecule or disease area. With that being said, I do leverage quite heavily the, the insights from the different affiliates, so U.S. affiliate, China affiliate, you know, the other markets affiliates, because they really have a very deep understanding of their markets and the different factors that are influencing integration um, and dynamics of, of of the molecules in their specific regions. For my U.S. Yes. colleague, typically uh, they focus on the U.S. market, not only pre-launch but also post-launch a bit more than I do. I, I am more focused on late-stage development and perhaps even indications that we don't have approval for that, you know, for, for molecules that are on the market, but I don't typically manage molecules that are, you know, that within it, within an indication that's already marketed.
1: Yeah. I see what you mean. More established. You, you, you work in the more newer therapeutic areas.
2: Exactly. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to change uh, tack a little bit and ask you, I took a peek at your LinkedIn post, so I think you're going to have a good answer to this question. (laughs) What is your understanding of the role of MSLs?
2: It's so hard to land your first MSL role because the employers typically want experience, but then you can't get experience until somebody hires you. So that's the challenge. But I was, I was an MSL for three years in pulmonology and, and pulmonary diseases, uh, specifically asthma and COPD, and then I was actually an MSL in hemonc and myeloid diseases, and yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. I, what I loved about my role as an MSL was being, you know, those boots on the ground and, and having those conversations myself with thought leaders understanding what's important to them and what's important to patients you know through you know via our physicians and for me as a scientist i didn't have the clinical background and that was one way for me to get a a better understanding of what it's truly like to treat patients with these different diseases and what it's like for a patient to have these diseases. So that was fulfilling for me. And then also, too, just having that knowing that I am instrumental in helping patients get on trial when they have no other treatment options, that for me yeah. was just amazing.
1: Share with us a little bit how you then, in your current role, interact with uh, field medical partners and, and maybe some examples or best practices of, of how that's worked for you.
2: I've been at Genentech Roche since February, so it's not been too long. And unfortunately, COVID struck, I would say under normal circumstances, I would be interacting with MSL, with field MSL colleagues a whole lot more at conferences via MSLs and their really good close relationships with thought leaders, you know, I can only imagine that I would be able to leverage their expertise as well as those relationships with those thought leaders. With that being said, I have had multiple interactions with field, excuse me, with our medical affairs colleagues who are at the U.S. and global level and also had the opportunity to and use the insights that MSLs have provided themselves. And when I mean insights, I mean the insights reports that they've generated post-conferences and post-ad boards, as well as just insights that are collected on a daily basis through the interactions that the MSLs have. And so taking those insights and applying that knowledge into our strategy both from a product development as well as a clinical development strategy and when i say clinical development i mean physicians interest in in running studies in IISs or IITs in investigator initiated trials and whether or not it makes sense to keep those as IISs or make those larger you know into more company sponsored trials those are the ways that i have interacted with and, and I say interacted with, but really using the, you know, the rich insights that MSLs have provided through their, their knowledge and expertise and interactions with the external thought leaders.
1: Thank you. You probably bring a lot of that perspective to some of your other colleagues who maybe haven't had as much exposure to the field medical or medical affairs roles. So, I think having that background I'm assuming is really
2: helping you also in your current role. In fact, you hit the nail on the head. That was my selling point <laughs> in yes. my role today just because I uh, come from a non-traditional background compared to many of my other colleagues who are in global product strategy. Yeah, being able to leverage the information and the relationships that I have you know, developed in the past with our external thought leaders has, uh, was definitely a way to say, hey, you know, I can provide another perspective in, you know, in our day-to-day strategy um, that will also be useful. Second time, you were able
1: to leverage not having a job in an area and, and being able to take a first step into a new role without having necessarily the the, the typical background. So, Maybe you can tell us, you know, what led you to make that change and what your career path was to move from being an MSL to working in
2: product strategy and, and how you made that turn. I was in a similar role, however, it was not in pharma. It was, but our customers were pharmaceutical and biotech companies, and I worked for a smaller CRO, preclinical CRO, I should say, the preclinical models for um, running study, running preclinical studies. I had done market research and was a part of the, had been on cross-functional business development teams. But I wanted to again, kind of have a have a greater impact on patient care that was more tangible to me and 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 something that I could see and demonstrate in my lifetime. Attracted to the MSL role for that reason, because as I mentioned before, I had never really had contact with patients and as an MSL, you don't really either, but you are, you leverage the KOL who obviously has much experience and truly learn what's important to them. So that's what attracted me to the MSL role in the first place. And then once I was um, an MSL for three years, I actually went to business school. I graduated from business school in June with my um, MBA in finance and I wanted to leverage not only the information, the, the valuable information that we that we as MSLs get from KOLs, be able to bridge, I guess, different perspectives when you think about the external thought leader community and patients, and then a business like a pharmaceutical company, where they are trying to make more medications for, for patients um, to help them feel better. And so, Kind of rounding out that that um, the ability to provide the clinical and scientific perspective, but also understand it from the business lens. That was kind of my goal for going into global product strategy.
1: I really admire you for thinking about what it is you wanted to do, and then figuring out how to to leverage your skills, and then also learn what you needed to learn to get there. So. Thank you so much, Dominique, for sharing your story with us. And I think, you know, my, my takeaways are that you really like your job because you get to interact with so many different types of roles and, and jobs within a Global Product Strategy and within our company in total, and, and that you've really been able to leverage your expertise as an MSL and bring that to your new role. So thank you so much for sharing that with us.
2: Thank you so much, Laurie, it's been it's been a pleasure. Thank you.
0: And I just wanna echo Laurie and actually thank both Laurie and Dominique for participating today. I found Dominique's discussion about how global product strategy works with US product strategy, how they interconnect, very interesting. And also the fact that Dominique was able to take her experience on the medical side of an organization and now use that on the commercial side of an organization. So as we say, all skills are transferable. And I think that was very valuable for people to hear. So in line with our learning objectives, I think or I hope that everyone now has a better understanding of the role and function of global product strategy and also how MSLs may compliantly interact with that team. And certainly hearing how Dominique has structured her career and using her MSL skills to build her career was of great value. This has been the second podcast in a series on the topic of field medical stakeholders partnering for today and tomorrow. If you are a MAPS member, thank you for your support of MAPS. If you're not yet a MAPS member and would like access to additional resources in this area, please visit the MAPS website to explore joining. That website is medicalaffairs.org forward slash membership. This concludes the podcast.